0: Thanks for tuning into a sermon from Redemption Hill Church. If you're in DC, we'd love for you to come and join us and become a part of the church family. If you're outside of DC, we would love for you to find a church family to get plugged into and invest your life in where you can be held accountable and they can care for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of Redemption Hill Church, you can give online at redemptionhilldc.org. Good evening, my name is Jesus Rodriguez and um, I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Hill. Uh, my, You can call me Chewy. It's not related to Chewbacca, it's C-H-U-Y, just, just making sure. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. This is my first Sunday uh, preaching here uh, as an official pastor of Redemption Hill. I, I made the mistake of not really introducing myself in the, in the, in the early service. I wasn't awake fully. But um, I, 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 I was launched from Redemption Hill four and a half years ago to go plant a church in Mexico City, and I moved with my family, and now we left the church, and we appointed an elder, and left him with a team of deacons to, to guide the church, and so now we're back here in, in, in the D.C. area with my family, and we're we're really happy. One of the things that we really liked about Redemption Hill when we originally found Redemption Hill back in 2012 uh, was the family environment, and um, and. We're just reliving that again. Uh, we left Mexico with nothing but our clothing and a few cups and things that were special to my wife that she wanted to bring. And, uh, and I just want to, I, I need to thank you. Uh, you guys have given us everything, literally. I mean, people are giving us tables, TVs, uh, furniture, couches, everything. And, and I, I'm super grateful, super um, thankful you guys are and You are truly a family for us, so thank you. Um, today we're going to continue on our series of the gospel, uh, the grace in the church, and um, I'm going to be talking about diversity, a, a hard topic, a little, a little bit of controversy there. So let's, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. God, thank you for the opportunity you give us of being here together as, as your church it's a body of believers from different places, different colors, different skill sets. Um, thank you for the beauty that that, that brings to the church. Uh, I pray that today, tonight, you, your Holy Spirit will, will help us embrace what was your plan that people from all tribes and nations and languages would come. As one body and display your majesty and your beauty through that I pray that you will help us sacrifice our preferences sacrifice our wants and our desires for the sake of others especially now that we have been given grace through your sacrifice amen Um, so a little bit of context of who I am um, I'm Mexican and fully Mexican, you can tell. Uh, I grew up in Mexico, I'm from Mexico City and and, and the theme we're about to talk about is uh, diversity and you could probably assume that I was not brought up in a diverse context and you would be right. Uh, Mexico is not a diverse country, Uh, over 95% of the population is Mexican and Hispanic, Uh, but Contrary to what you would believe or think is that Mexico is a very racist and, and, and a place where discrimination happens often. And the reason why is because the term Hispanic does not refer to an ethnicity. When you, when you, when you, when you talk about Hispanics, you're not talking about a race. Uh, Hispanic means related to Spanish. So when you say they're Hispanic, what you're saying is they speak Spanish. You're not talking about their race. So Hispanics in general are a very diverse group of people. You have white Hispanics, you have black Hispanics, you have uh, indigenous Hispanics, and you even have some Asian Hispanics. Uh, Just in case you didn't know, the the Philippines were conquered by by Spain. And and until this day, there are some people in the Philippines who speak Spanish. So, when you, when, you, when you talk about Hispanics, you're talking about a, a diverse group of people. And amongst Hispanics, there is a lot of racism and discrimination. When, when, when two Hispanics meet in, in the United States, they're not automatically best friends. What happens is that in Latin America, in general, there's also this common myth, um, which is the white is better myth. This mentality of if you have more of a light tone of skin or your, your eyes are colored or your, your hair is, 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 is a little more golden, then you're better. And, and, and this way of thinking is, is very present in, in Latin America. Not only that, but Latin Americans and Hispanics discriminate each other not only based on the color of their skin, even though we, some of us share the same kind of ethnic background, but we also discriminate against each other based on uh, education and, and even the country you're from. Uh, in Latin America, you have, you have some countries that are predominantly white. Like, if you've ever met an Argentinian, you will see that, uh, uh, or Chilean, they're, they're, they're very white-like. They, they have a lot of Spanish influence. And if you've ever met somebody maybe from Peru or Guatemala, you'll see that they have more indigenous features. I'm not talking about generally. Uh, I'm, but but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking about generally. But there are some Argentinians who are not white and, and vice versa. But... This happens when two Hispanics meet in the street in the States. They, they start to like kind of measure each other's, there's, there's envy, there's rivalry. Why? Because discrimination and racism is present in our culture as well. And this is so pervasive and, and, and so common that I personally know of a woman who grew up in a rural area in Central America. And Her family happened to be what we call Mestizo. Mestizo is basically a mix of Spanish and indigenous. And uh, in Latin America, at least in Mexico, what happens is that if you are more uh, Spanish-like, people treat you in a different way, in a better way. And if you're more indigenous-like, people treat you probably less uh, kind. So this family even though they were mestizos they, they had light skin some of the uh, some of the uh, of the women in this family had even colored eyes so this family stood out in the area because everyone around them was very indigenous so this lady literally said i will never marry in this place she said i would rather die single than marry any of this Indians, And when I say Indians in the Hispanic context, I'm not talking about people from India. I'm talking about the indigenous people, and the Spanish will be Indios. Another person from that same same family explicitly and repeatedly has said until this day, Indians are dumb. This is amongst Hispanic. This is amongst our people. So I'm not, I'm not foreign to the experience of being either mistreated or treated well based on the color of your skin. This is not just a problem that we see in the U.S. The problem in society is almost the same as in the church. We see this kind of rejection and dynamic even in churches, sadly. Sadly. We see people that reject others based on their preferences. And that's because of our human sinful nature. Who's always trying to find something that looks like us. Or something that we like. Or something that makes us feel comfortable. We all do it. We do it all the time. We're constantly looking for people that look like us to hang out with. Or people that have the same taste people who listen to the same music, people who like the same food. We all have preferences and and we gather together based on these preferences. And that's not entirely wrong. The problem is that when we start to dismiss others based on our preferences and our groups are turning into the right way of doing things and we reject others because our preferences have become a rule to us. This is what humans do. And this is what churches have done as well. And by doing this, we're missing out on so much. Far from accomplishing something, we're destroying something. And the Bible gives us, God himself gives us a better way of doing things. The gospel way, the Jesus way. It's called diversity. And it's all over our Bibles. And I want to point out a few things that I think are important to highlight in this topic of diversity. The first one I would like to highlight is is the fact that the book we have called the Bible is a very, very diverse book. Diversity is a distinctive characteristic of the Bible. Just to begin with, the Bible was not written by one author. The Bible has more than 40 authors. So there's diversity in the authors. There's also vocational diversity between those authors. We have kings, we have poets, we have fishermen, we have priests, we have shepherds, we have soldiers. These are all the kinds of people that wrote the Bible There's also geographical diversity in the Bible. The Bible was not only written in one place by one kind of people. The Bible was written in three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Also, the books in the Bible are different from each other. We don't don't only have one book. We have 66 different books. We have books that are poetry. We have books that are historic. We We have books that are books of the law. We have prophecy. We have wisdom. We have songs it's a very diverse book and not only that but diversity is also the final product of the Bible a few weeks ago pastor uh, Doug Logan was here and he preached on this and I want you to re- read it with me it will be with uh, it will be in the screen It's Revelation 7 9 and 10 <clears throat> But before we read this, I just want to tell you that this was, even though diversity is the final product of the Bible, this is not something new. A lot of people think that uh, the Bible is a very uh, Jewish only or Jew only book. But, but the reality is that the promise that God gave to Abraham was not just for the Jews. If you go back to Genesis 12 and you read it, you will realize that the promise to Abraham very early in the Old Testament included every nation. God told Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the idea was to use one nation to bless all other nations. It wasn't a book that was created just for Jews. And Jesus fulfills this promise by providing salvation by grace to all the families of the earth. And Jesus then gathers his sheep from every place on earth. And his sheep are all colorful. So let's read this description. Revelation 7 verses 9 and 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. From what? From all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is the picture we have of the end. There you have it plain and simply. The church of Christ will one day arrive at perfect unity in diversity. And it will be beautiful. Notice that John, when he's having this vision, he is able to, defi- to make a difference. He's able to see people from different nations. I don't know if you've seen the, the images that people use in coloring books for kids of heaven. And everybody looks the same. They're all white. And they have white robes. And you can't see their faces because everybody's shining. But that's not the picture that that John gave us. He actually, he can tell, look, that person is different from that person. And he can actually listen to the languages and and, and there's no one language. There's several languages. So in this passage, we get a picture of what will happen to all of us at the end. And and it's a diverse picture. And it's not just diverse in in, in the general sense. There, There are very specific aspects of diversity that we see here. And we see three mainly. We see language diversity, ethnicity diversity, and cultural diversity. And all of this is the result of the gospel. So what God is doing, using the language that we use here in Redemption Hill, is that God is knitting this beautiful and colorful tapestry for himself. And let's be honest, it would be a very boring and ugly piece of work if it would be just one color. God is the author of beauty, and he decided that a multicolor, multi-texture, multi-everything piece of work would be better. And it does. So, in the end, when the tapestry is finally finished... There will be a piece of art that will include black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, short, tall, skinny, and fat people like me. And this is the picture of the church. And I want to continue to, to, to highlight a few more things about diversity. Not only our Bible is diverse, not only the end of the Bible is diverse, but also The mark of the church from its birth has been diversity. Diversity was the mark of the early church. Would you you go with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 5 to 11? What what we're about to read is uh, Jesus leaves. He he leaves his disciples. And they're they're all gathered together. This is... ...at the Feast of, the, of Pentecost. And then suddenly, a rushing wind comes into the place where they were gathered. And the, fo- the, the Holy Spirit falls on these people and fills them. And that's what we consider the birth of the church. And what is, what is the first thing that happens? Let's just read it together. Acts 2, 5-11. It says, Now they're dwelling in Jerusalem... Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia Judea and Cappadocia Pontus and Asia Phrygia and Pamphylia Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes Cretans and Arabians we hear them telling our own telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God The first thing that happened with the church was birth is that it was given diversity in language. Let me tell you this, there is no official language for Christianity. It is not English. It is not Spanish. It is not Greek. And if you thought that we were all going to speak Hebrew in heaven, you're wrong. All languages are welcomed and appreciated in heaven. So What's happening in this is that God is reminding, via a supernatural way, to a bunch of Jews that their language is not the only language. Their language is not the holy language. Imagine if you're a Jew. The Bible, the, the, the law, the covenants were given to you. you. You were proud to say that Moses was part of your, of your nation. You were proud to say that you were a descendant of Abraham. You were proud to say that Jerusalem was the place where Jesus was crucified. You can, you can, you can boast in all these things. And, and God comes in with the Holy Spirit and he says, you know what? It's not about you or your ethnicity or your language. Now it's about everyone. So we not only see that there's diversity in language, there's also diversity in ethnicity. A few months after Pentecost, Peter, a, a Jew, is called by God to a Roman soldier's house, a centurion. And that was surprising for Peter. He had some visions of, of animals that, that, that the Jews considered unclean. And, and God basically tells them: stop thinking that way. And listen to what Peter says to these people when he arrives to this household. Acts 10, 28 and 29 says this. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God, who said this? God has shown me that I should not listen to this should not call any person common or unclean God is telling a Jew to not call people common or unclean so when I was sent for I came without objection this is peter So again, God basically said to to Peter, the foundation of the church, this is not about Jews anymore. And the reality is that it was never for Jews. God is telling Peter, there are no common or unclean person. And like Pastor Bill said two weeks ago, we all bear the image of God So there are no common or unclean or inferior or superior people. Every ethnicity, every color, every person is valued to God. No ethnicity has an advantage or a corner like Pastor Bill said. There's no ethnicity that is better or worse than others. That is absolutely false. So the mark of the church was also diversity in ethnicity. And lastly, there was also diversity in culture. So imagine these people who who spoke different languages, people who, who had different ethnicities. They came together in the church. What happened? Cultures began to mix. Food Holidays, traditions, even, I'm assuming, music started to mix. There were Greeks, Romans, Assyrians, Africans, all kinds of people. They started to, to, to share. They started to live together like, like Acts 2 and Acts 4 tells us about. They, they began to, to fellowship. And they began to bring different things to the table. So one of the marks of the early church was also cultural diversity. And we can see this diversity in the early church through a conflict that arose in those days. Let me read a, a passage to you, Colossians 2, verse 16. This is Paul writing to a non-Jew church in Colossa. And he's actually talking about this problem because what was happening is that Jews were coming into this this Gentile cities or non-Jew cities. And and what they they were doing is they were telling people, in order for you to be a real Christian, you have to behave and you have to do the Jews or the Jewish thing. So Paul is correcting this. And Paul Paul tells the, the Colossian church this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. In questions of what? Food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. So the church had become so diverse that the Jews were trying to impose their culture to people from other cultures, and they told them that if they didn't do this, they could not be saved. In fact, in Acts 15 verse 1, we have a a reference to this. And it actually says, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And I am a little too familiar with this. I would love to say that this is a problem that happened 2,000 years ago, but no. No. If you've ever been to the mountains of Mexico, you would realize that it's a very hot place. Or Colombia, or Peru, or Central America. And you know what has happened? Is that some well intentioned missionaries brought the gospel to those places. But also, with the gospel, they brought their traditions. They were not aware of the cultural and ethnic diversity that the church possessed from its beginning. So they thought that they needed to impose their culture into these natives of these mountains. And what happened is that Christianity in some of those areas is related to a suit and a tie. So you go to places that are so remote that you can only get there by either a helicopter or a boat. And people are wearing a suit and a tie. And I have no idea how they do it. But the problem is that not only only they they brought their, their influence and their culture, but these people that were given this new culture, they started to discriminate against others and they were saying, you know what? The ones who can't afford, well, this is not what they were saying, but it's that, implicit. If you can't afford a, a, a suit and a tie, you're not as Christian as I am. So the early church was very diverse in ethnicity and, and culture from the beginning, but this majority group of people began telling the minorities this is how it's done and this is how it's supposed to be. But the church has always found hope in Jesus. Even though this has always been a problem in the church, Jesus has always been there to help us. Through the gospel... Jesus brings reconciliation to nations that were enemies. Through the gospel, Jesus brings reconciliation between Christian Jews and Christian Egyptians, nations who had a history of slavery we all know of. Through the gospel, Jesus brings reconciliation. And recos- reconciliation is, is important and is needed because diversity is hard, diversity is costly, it's not easy. And diversity has always caused conflict in society and in the church. Why? Because sinners interacting with other sinners is kind of the recipe for conflict. And if you add cultural and ethnic language diversity to it, it it gets more interesting. Uh, I attended a college that was sort of diverse. When I was in Mexico, uh, the, the college I, I, I met my wife in had people from almost every country in Latin America in it. And um, one of, the, one of the, the funny problems we used to run into was, was curse words. And I'm not going to say any of them. But... Before, before I actually went to, to, to this school, I, I didn't really have much interaction with people from other nations. So, I didn't know that there were words in Mexico that, ha, that literally had a horrible meaning in other countries. And I'm talking about speaking, Spanish-speaking countries. I'm not even talking about other languages. I'm not even talking about the, the, the really bad words. Um, I know you know the really bad words in Spanish. <laughs> I've heard you. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually talking about common words, like like name, names of pastries that reference body parts in other countries. And, I, and, and many other things that you, I don't want to mention right now. But I was surprised. Why? Because, because even amongst people who speak the same language, there's sort of friction. We, we used to make fun of this and, and bother each other with this. But, but you know what? The problem is that some people take it seriously. And and people start to bring conflict through this. Diversity has always brought conflict, and and this text that I'm about to read references this. Let's 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 uh, read Acts 15 verses six to ten. This was such a big problem, what we're about to read, that a council was created. uh, 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 There was a huge discussion between the apostles and other elders and leaders of the church, of the early church, that needed to solve this problem. These Jews were going around telling everybody that they needed to become Jews in order for them to be saved. So this is what happened. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Listen to this, verse 9. And he made no distinction between us and them. Having cleansed their hearts by faith. So Peter is saying, we don't need to do all these things. They are all cleansed by faith. Verse 10. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. This problem has been a problem since the beginning. And 2,000 years later... We still need to deal with it. These Jews were making distinctions between them and the Gentiles. And Peter tells them that when they do this, they are putting God to the test. Family diversity is hard. But it's worth fighting for. Look at what this civil rights activist, Dr. John Perkins says. In his book, Dream With Me, Raise, Love, and the Struggle We Must Win, it says, Right before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed that all believers, past, present, and future, may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. This was Jesus' prayer for us all. Yet... More often than not, I fear we have not lived up to it. Instead, we fight for our own way, for our selfish desires, for our right to be superior. We build churches centered on our own cultural ideas of God rather than on seeking to bring us back to Him. And then we fight with other churches and religions about who is serving their personal culture, God, the best. Come dream with me. Dream of a fight for something bigger, something more important and worthwhile. We need to fight for justice and peace, for the walls between us to come crashing down. The reason why diversity is so hard and difficult, it's because of our sin. It's because we are constantly selfish. We fight for our own way. We fight for our own selfish desires, like Perkins said. We want things our way. We want to eat our food. We want to listen to our music. We like it the black way or the white way or the Hispanic way. And then we take a step further and then we begin to say that that's the right way. And then we go even further and we start labeling people as being wrong just because they have a different way of doing things. And we find all kinds of reasons to divide. Everything from color of skin to music, food, even traditions are all causes of conflict. We don't like to surrender. We don't like to give up. We hold on to our ego. Preferences like noise. I'm sure you've heard this. Oh, those people are too loud. And then you've probably said this as well. Oh, they're so quiet and boring. We find the littlest things to discriminate and and, and separate each other. I've had someone tell me that eating spicy food was wrong because it was masochism. It's the enjoyment of pain. And I said, yes. (laughs) But it's delicious. We have taken our preferences and we have made them rules. We are so selfish that some people truly and genuinely believe they are better than others because of their skin color or their traditions or their ethnicity. And then the same is the, the reverse of that. We have others who truly and genuinely believe they are worse than others because of their color of their skin or their ethnicity, which is exactly the same thing. Believing you are worse than someone else based on your skin color is no different from believing you are better. Both of them are racism. What is racism? Racism is assigning value to someone based on their color of skin or ethnicity. That is racism. So whether you do it from up there or high or down here, it's the same thing. You are telling an image bearer of God that he is either less or more than you. The value of people do not depend on their ethnicity, neither their education nor their traditions or anything else. The value of people is inherent to the fact that they bear God's image. But our sin, our selfishness, and our ego has made us all discriminate against each other in the church instead of becoming one. And today's reality seems really bad. When you look at the problem of diversity and racism and discrimination in our society, it seems like impossible to overcome. But we have hope, we have Jesus. We have an all-powerful, loving, graceful, merciful God who has given us the solution and who's even done it for us. I want you to listen to this, this passage of Scripture, Ephesians 2. This is what Paul is saying to another Gentile church that was dealing with something similar to the Colossian church. Ephesians 2, verses 12 to 16. This is beautiful. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. So what did the cross do for us? The cross reconciled us to each other. Paul says that there are no longer two kinds of people. There are no longer Jews or Gentiles. Meaning Jews or non-Jews. Now in Christ we are one. And Jesus has brought down the wall of hostility. And I I just love this because it basically says that we as humans could not do it on our own. We were too selfish to overcome this problem, but Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself for us. He came, he took our place because we couldn't do it. That's why we say that Jesus substitutes us even in the way he lived. He lived the perfect life that we were to live. Why? Because we are selfish. But guess what? Jesus is selfless. Because we hold on tightly to our ways, but Jesus did not. Jesus emptied himself and he gave up his life for us. Because we want to be superior, but Jesus didn't hold on to that. And he humbled himself and served us all. We seek and long for our pleasure and our satisfaction, but Jesus did not. He suffered and died on the cross for us. Because we are too weak to embrace diversity. But Jesus is powerful. And it was his idea. Diversity was Jesus' idea. Jesus is The solution of our conflict. And Jesus is the author of diversity. This passage of Ephesians basically ends with this beautiful picture of a building that it's been built up where God is going to dwell. And it basically says that we are being built together together as a diverse church, into a place for God. Le- read it with me. Ephesians two nineteen to 22 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. We're all one, one people with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Do you see the analogy being used here? It says that we are a growing temple. We're a building that is built for God to dwell in. And God is the author. God is the architect of this temple. So we are the the blocks. We are the stones that make up this building. And it's going to be a beautiful building because the blocks are not all the same. There are pieces of this building that look very different from from each other. But that's what makes it beautiful. Church, we need to embrace diversity, because it's in our Bible, because the church was birthed out of diversity, because it has always been God's idea, because it's the end product, because because that's what we're supposed to do. And when I say that we need to embrace diversity, I'm talking to everyone in the room. I'm not only talking to white people or the majority I'm talking to everyone. Why? Because if we are Christians, the call is for everybody to pitch in. This is not only one sided, this is not just for one people, this is for every people. If we as Christians are serious about diversity, we all have to contribute. Blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asians, everyone needs to pitch in. This is a call for the oppressor and the oppressed. This is a call to everyone to forgive and to repent. This is a gospel call that confronts us all, but it's also a gospel call that comforts us all. So I want to talk, I want to take a minute and and, and speak to the minorities in the room. If you're a minority in the room, I need to tell you, we also need to learn to love the majority. We also need to learn to forgive the majority. I'm not excusing what they've done or what has been done to, to you as a minority. But the gospel call requires you to sympathize with Jesus. Jesus' last words on the cross were, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. We don't have a gospel that divides. We have a gospel that unites. And if you are a minority, I'm asking you, help us. If you come to a church like this and you say, well, I don't like the church because it's too white. Guess what? If you don't stick around, it's going to always be white. (laughs) Well, their music sounds too white. Of course, because everyone's white. (laughs) We need to also enrich church. If you're a minority, we need you. Come and be part of our family and and make our family richer and better. We need you. Let, Let us learn from you. We need each other, family. Have you ever seen a painting that's all white? Or that's all black? I haven't. I've seen pieces of paper that are empty. we need each other diversity makes everything richer and better can you imagine a life without guacamole (laughs) can you imagine a life without asian food we just went to virginia and we had the most amazing barbecue and soul food i've had in years and i'm like thank you jesus for this Thank you because not everything is tacos. Thank you, God, because I can enjoy this. And, and everything may, it's, it's, it's better when you add diversity. I, I'm a musician. I studied music. And, and when you join the blacks and the whites and the Hispanics, you have amazing salsa and jazz and hip-hop and funk and all kinds of stuff that are just beautiful. Why? Because of diversity. Diversity makes everything better. It's just plain dumb to try to do everything one color. So get out of your comfort zone and embrace the beautiful diversity that God has put you in. Do you know why this is one of the best countries in the world? Because of diversity. Diversity is and was god's idea from the beginning and it's only through jesus through the cross that we can truly achieve it and the church must be the light of the world the leading way in diversity in this society and it's only through jesus we can do it let's pray God, thank you, because you are the most amazing artist. You are the definition of creativity. And in your wisdom, you created people of all sizes and colors and languages. And you've given each one of us music and art and food and 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 god we utilize these beautiful things you've given us to divide but through jesus through your son and your sacrifice you have made one people to your glory god i pray that the church will will embrace diversity and we'll portray it and display it to the world. And, and, and God, allow us to be an example to society. God, thank you. Because you did not count being God as something to be grasped. But you denied yourself and came and died for us. And I, I pray that in response to your grace, we will be able to do the same for others. I pray that we will be able to deny ourselves and our taste and our, uh, whatever we like for the sake of others that look different from us. Help us, God. Amen.